Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Well, if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Psalm, Psalm 119. We are continuing to march through this Sunday school series, still at the very beginning of this, uh, seeing that there's a lot of different segments of Psalm 119. Psalm 119, and we're going to start together in verse number 41. Psalm 119. Now remember, this is the longest psalm found inside of the Word of God. And every verse has a reference to the Word of God. But as we've seen that it's not just a surface idea of God is good, the Bible's the Word of God. But we could see that the psalmist who's writing this has at a place where he's all by himself. He doesn't have believers around him, doesn't have people who are trying to encourage him. And so his only source of doing what's right is found in the Word of God. And he has these reminders to keep looking to the Word of God, to keep looking to the Word of God, to keep looking to the Word of God. And each of these segments, each of these um, divisions that we have in Psalm 119 is actually correspond to a Hebrew letter of the alphabet. And that each one of um, these segments, uh, the first segment begins with Aleph and every um, word in the Hebrew alphabet, every verse begins with uh, that Aleph and then it's so on and so forth. Now we find ourselves to Psalm 119. Starting at verse number 41, we hit another segment. And if you don't mind, let's look at this together. Psalm 119, starting at verse number 41. Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me. For I trust in thy word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. For I have hoped in thy judgments. So shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever. And I will walk at liberty. For I seek thy precepts. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings. And will not be ashamed. And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved. And I will meditate in thy statutes. And if you have the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in Psalm 119 and verse number 42. Psalm 119 and verse number 42. Notice the last phrase, for I trust in thy word. I trust in thy word. Now, the psalmist knew that not everyone shared his trust in the word of God. That's something that we have to face all the time is that there's so many people who don't trust in God's word. And yet, it's more important for us to trust in God's word no matter what everyone else may do. In Hebrew, in this segment here, not only does this psalm begin with the Hebrew letter Vu, but every verse in this segment in Hebrew begins with the word and. We now translate that word and. But what it does is that and, and, 
and, and. What it does is it sets a drumbeat. What it does is an emphasis that's being struck over and over and over again. And I trust God's word. 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 It should be something that should be our own heartbeat. That, and I trust God's word. And I trust God's word. And I trust God's word. That no matter what segment you go through, no matter what stage of life you're going through, no matter what circumstance you go through, that should be the heartbeat. That should be the mantra of your life. And I trust God's word. And I trust God's word. And I trust God's word. I woke up and I feel tired. And I trust God's word. And I trust God's word. I got to go to work today. And I trust God's word. And I trust God's word. I'm struggling with the flesh today. And I struggle. And I trust God's word. And I trust God's word. Hey, I'm dealing with lost people today. And I trust God's word. And I trust God's word. Hey, I'm dealing with some struggles today. And I trust God's word. And I trust God's word. And so this here, Psalm 119, in this segment starting at verse number 41, that what we're going to see is this heartbeat, this drumbeat, this, this emphasis that and I trust God's word. And I trust God's word. Let's see these things that he's trusting God's word for inside of this segment of Psalm 119 at verse number 41. The first thing we see is, I trust thy word for my salvation. I trust thy word for my salvation. Notice with me in verse 41. And let the mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation. Notice this. According to God's word. Now the primary purpose of God's word is to reveal God to man. This is not a book about Moses. It's not a book about David. It's a book about God. And its purpose is to reveal who God is to us. And one of the special characteristics of God is his mercy. What is his mercy? God's mercy is giving to us what we don't deserve. Or giving, not giving to us what we do deserve. That's his mercy. What do we deserve? Well, we deserve to be separated from a holy, righteous God. For there's none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. Every single one of us owe God a debt. It doesn't matter who you are. Every single one of us have sinned. For example, God has set up his Ten Commandments, God's rules for holiness, to show us not how to live because not every single one of us can meet that, but actually how we have fallen short. In fact, next to each one of the Ten Commandments, let's just turn there for the fun of it if you don't mind. Hold your finger here. Turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter number 20. The book of Exodus chapter number 20. When we come to the Ten Commandments, we understand that this is God's rules for holiness. These aren't just suggestions. These aren't just things that God said, I, I, uh, I suggest to you, I wish you would do. But these are God's commandments. But we see the purpose of God's commandments and we see the reason of God's commandments actually listed in Exodus chapter 20. Notice as God introduces this in verse number 1. And God spake all these words, saying, just as another minor pause, uh, remember that God did not give the Ten Commandments to Moses. God in chapter 20 is actually speaking to the children of Israel with his own voice. These people did not get a downloaded cloud onto a tablet. They heard God's voice 
declare these laws to them. So it wasn't secondhand. It wasn't that Moses came down and delivered these. That here they're already at the mount and they are hearing God's voice. And God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God. May I remind you that the only thing that makes anything wrong is because God said it was wrong. And with this, when we read the Ten Commandments, we should have before each one of these Ten Commandments this declarative statement, I am the Lord thy God. So with that, let's look at these Ten Commandments uh, with this phrase, I am the Lord thy God. Verse number three is what we often call the first commandment. I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Uh, Verse number four is going to be what we call the second commandment. I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt not make unto thee any graved image. Once again, we jump down to verse number seven. We have what is commonly called the third commandment. I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Verse number eight is what we often call the fourth commandment. I am the Lord thy God, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. In verse number 12, we have the fifth commandment. I am the Lord thy God. Honor thy father and thy mother. Verse number 13, we go on to the sixth commandment. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not kill. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not commit adultery. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not steal. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not bear false witness. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Now remember, the only thing that makes anything right or wrong is because God said they were wrong. When you're breaking these commandments, when you tell a little lie, it's not something minor. You are actually breaking something that God declared with his own voice as a comparison to him. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not bear false witness. This is God's rules of holiness. This is God's standard. And when we violate this, we're not violating some church or some creed. We're not violating some idea of ethics that someone has set up. We're violating what the God of the universe has declared unto us. This is a big deal. This is a big charge. I am the Lord thy God. Now, when we put it here and understand that there's no wiggle room and there's no gray area, that God said, do this or you violated my commandments, we understand that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Every single one of us have broken these commandments. Absolutely and without a doubt. But... The Bible goes on and it says for the wages of sin. Sin is anything that we've done against God. And if you've broken one God's commandment, you've committed a sin. And the wage that you will God because of this sin is death. You deserve to die. You deserve to go to an awful place called hell because you told one little lie. Because you disobeyed your folks once, you owe God hell. You owe God death. Just because you stole a cookie from the cookie jar, you owe God death. You owe God hell. Every single one of us are guilty. But this is where God's mercy comes in. 
For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What God has showed us is mercy. Is that God didn't want to see a single one of us die and go to that awful place called hell. But what Jesus did is that he came down from the glories of heaven, robed himself in flesh, and lived the same life that you and I lived. Went through the same temptations, the same troubles, and the same heartbreaks. Then he died on the cross to pay for your price and mine. He did it because of his mercy. He paid our price so that way we wouldn't get what we did deserve. We deserve hell. Every single one of us. I'm a pastor. I deserve hell. But because of God's mercy, I don't have to go. And it's because of his salvation. And by the way, the only way that I learn about that is through his word. Some people will say, how do you know you're going to heaven? Well, it's not because I feel like it. Because there are certainly days I wake up and I don't feel saved. I was sick all this week. There was a couple days I didn't feel even alive, much less saved. My salvation's not based off of feelings. My salvation isn't based off of because I said a prayer. My salvation is not based off because I go to church. My salvation isn't because I'm an American. My salvation isn't because I call myself a Christian. My salvation is based off of God's word that God gave me a promise and I trust his word. Back to Psalm 119 verse 41. Let the mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to God's word. How is it that I know that I'm saved? The Bible says that you can know that you have salvation, by the way. 1 John chapter 5 verse 13. These things have I written unto you, God's word, that ye may know that you have everlasting life, eternal life. I'm so thankful that God told me about it. He wrote it down and that I could depend on his promises. And it's not based off of my feeling. It's not based off of something that's going to fade away, something that could be wrong. It's based off of his word. And his word tells me I had his mercy. I don't deserve his mercy. I deserve hell but God gave me his mercy and I could cling to it and I could trust into it because of his word. What a wonderful thing it is to have his word. Notice if you don't mind, there's something else that the psalmist says that he trusts God's word for. He trusts God's word for his salvation. He also trusts thy word for my answers. I trust thy word for my answers. Notice with me verse 42. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me. For I trust in thy word. Now when the world assails us, the only place we can stand is God's word. There's power in God's word that our adversaries cannot withstand. We don't have to defend the Bible. We could let it defend itself. That's something that we call the sufficiency of Scripture, by the way. That we need to trust in it even more. Sufficiency of Scripture is a doctrine that says God's Word is enough. That means I don't have to add to it. I don't have to explain to it. It has enough power on its own. I just need to let God's Word do its own work. And we could trust God's word to do its own work. That means that we don't have to explain it away. We don't have to put a little platform that it could stand on. It will stand on its own. 
it will defend itself. That it will do a work in people's lives that we can't do ourselves. In fact, we can't even explain things better than uh, the Bible explains itself. We could trust God's word to do its work. That means we have to use God's word even more and just get out of the way. Allow God's word to do its work. We could give the answer. How can we have a hope in our life when everything's against us? Notice in verse 42. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me. So when people come and make fun of me. Oh, you're going to church again on Sunday night? That's just ridiculous. That's just way too much. I can have a Bible answer for them. We should have a biblical answer for everything that we do. I mean, you're someone who trusts God's word? Yes. You mean heaven's real? Yes. You mean there's a real place called, surely you don't believe in hell? Yes, I do. We could trust God's word. In fact, hold your finger again and turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of 1 Peter. The Bible gives the same principle in a different way in the book of 1 Peter chapter number 3. We can just answer with the word of God and allow God's word to do its work. And it can do a lot better job at taking care of itself than us trying to explain it. Notice with me if you don't mind. 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you of the reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. Now notice, there's a preamble in structure here. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. That word sanctify means to purify and set apart for God's use. That means if you're living like a heathen, this verse is not for you. Nothing makes the Bible look worse than having someone who's not living for the Lord attempt to use the Word of God. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't match. But if you're living for the Lord and you're, you're trying to do what's right, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you of the reason of the hope that's within you with meekness and fear. No, notice, the hope that we have is reasonable. We can give people a Bible reason of why I can have hope. Now, in here, it's talking about if an adversary or someone's in there saying, you know how messed up your life is? How can you still smile? How can you still have hope? How can you still have peace? It doesn't make sense. Well, let me tell you why, because... God's still on the throne. Let me give you a Bible reason why. And we can explain from the Bible. You know, we live in a world that's full of fear, especially the last three years. Uh, just the staple of it. It's a, it's a world in fear. But we don't have to live in fear. We can live in hope. We should be a hopeful people because our God is on the throne. And we can explain to people why we have hope. Why we could still be have a peace even when it seems everything's working against us. We could still smile even in Sunday school. Man, you guys look grumpy today. You should be a hopeful people because we have a Bible reason. Our God is good and he is great and he has proven himself and we can explain people biblically. I'm trusting in God's word. 
and look at what God can do. Look at how wonderful he is. And we can have a reasonable hope and explain to people about the reason that we have. Notice back with me in Psalm 119. So we could trust God's word for his answers. So then I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me. Why? For I trust in thy word. I could give God's word to anyone who gives an objection. Anyone who comes up to me. I can trust God's word for the answers. Notice in verse 46. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings. And I will not be ashamed. You understand that God's word is so powerful it could be delivered to anyone. Even before kings and rulers. And it will still stand. And that we don't have to be ashamed. As we go through the Bible, think about how many times Daniel was in trouble or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king seemed to be against them. And they gave them God's word and it worked out. God proved himself. Even when they stood before kings. I'm so thankful that the Bible is just not, and this has been an accusation throughout centuries, that the Bible is only for the lower class, uneducated people, because they don't know any better. But when you present it before scholars or kings, it falls apart. It does not. The Bible stands. And we could trust it. And we could have a Bible reason for it. And we can have our hope. Are you a hopeful person? Which brings us to the third thing here. I trust God for my hope. I trust God for my hope. So I trust God for my salvation. I trust thy word for my answers. I trust thy word for my hope. Notice with me if you don't mind in verse 43. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. For I have hoped in thy judgments. That word hope is a great word. Some people have the idea that the word hope is something whimsical or something wistful. It's kind of like, I hope it's cool today. I hope that it doesn't rain. And it's almost wishful. It's almost, you know, nothing that you could grab a hold. Nothing of substance. But the Bible word hope is a confident expectation of something or someone sure to come. I have something I can grab a hold of. That's the idea of hope. That I can hope. I can trust. I could depend upon him. I could have confidence. We should be a hopeful people. You know, a discouraged Christian is often a horrible testimony. Well, I'm just surviving today. Oh, I don't know how things are going to turn up. We should be a hopeful people. We should be an encouraged people because our God's on the throne. His word is true. We can depend upon him. We should be a hopeful people. Are you hopeful? Well, I'm not looking forward to tomorrow. It's just... Uh, we should be hopeful. Is God not right? Can you trust him? You know, sometimes we have to work on our attitudes because our people are people around us are watching us. You know, it's it's always amazing to watch uh, people. People are fun to watch somebody come <coughs> and uh, talk to someone. Hey, let me tell you about my church. It's horrible. I don't like the preacher. It seems boring. Whatever else. Hey, can you come to church with me? No. 
you're not enjoying the Christian life, why in the world do I want to go what you have? There should be something different because our hope is real. Are you hopeful people? It doesn't mean that everything's roses, but there's always hope. Because our God's on the throne and we could trust that he knows what he's doing. Are you a hopeful person? We should be. Now, we know that right now the word of God is under attack like never before. You know why? Because the word of God is our hope. And if they could take away the word of God out of our minds... Meaning if they could give us a reason to doubt God's word or think that it's not true. Guess what? We also lose our hope. And we've lost our hope. We become just like everyone else in the world. Fearful. Afraid. Defeated. And those people are easily manipulated and controlled because they're just looking for something. They're looking for answers, looking for something. We're not looking for answers. We're searching in the answer. We've already found the answer. We're not looking for the truth. We have the truth. Now we're searching in the truth. But we should be a hopeful person. Without God's word, we have no true hope. And we should be a hopeful person. Something else that we see here is I trust God for my walk. I trust God for my walk. Notice with me verse 44. So shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. Now, because God's word could be trusted, we could use it to guide our life forever. In fact, there's not a single time or situation where you can't go to God's word for some guidance in your life. We're going to get more about that in Sunday morning's message. But we can have God's word as a guide to show us what's right, to show us the next step. That we're never at a place where we could say, I don't know what we're supposed to do. The Bible shows us what we're supposed to do. Now, one objection from people who don't know the Bible, for people who are not sure about the Bible, who've never experienced it, one of the things that causes them to doubt or not follow the Bible is that they have in their mind that the Bible is a list of do's and don'ts. I've heard more than one occasion, well, I'd like to get saved, but I'm afraid I don't want to change my life. And I understand what they're saying, but the Bible is not a list of things of do's and don'ts. Some people say, well, I'd like to become a Christian, but I don't want it to limit my freedom. I don't want it to limit me. Well, notice what it says, if you don't mind, in verse number um, 45. And I will walk at liberty. That carries the idea of freedom. That I could walk with freedom... For I seek thy precepts. That the Bible is not a list of do's and don'ts. It's actually the great liberator. Gives us great freedom. In fact, it's the opposite if you don't trust in God's word. Because sin brings bondage. And it brings consequences. It brings results. It brings down a weight. It brings down more of a hindrance. Whereas the Bible gives us liberty. The Bible is not a series of do's and don'ts. What it is, is a book that points us to God. And as we're looking at God and following after him, we will automatically do what is right. That's the privilege that we have. That we have a great liberty. That if you're following after God, you have more liberty and more freedom than you ever thought possible. 
and God will do a work. It's wonderful what God will do. But I can have God's word to guide my walk, to change my life, to bring me into the place where I could follow after him in true liberty rather than be into the bondage of sin and its consequences. There's one more thing here that I trust God's word for my delight. I trust God's word for my delight. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 47. And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. Now, notice this phrase and statement. And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. Now, the psalmist exclaimed that he would delight in God's commandments. However, not everyone can do that. There may be someone even at the sound of my voice when we say such a phrase. Man, I delight in God's word. To them, that's a foreign concept. What do you mean? They said, I can't even see myself reading the Bible, much less saying, this is the greatest thing ever. Man, I, I could barely tolerate just holding a Bible in my hand. Much less thinking, man, I love God's word. I can't wait to read it. People like that, they often see us as like crazy people. What in the world is this nonsense? You mean you want to read your Bible? It, isn't that something like you kind of have to do? And they have in their mind that maybe they see someone shackled to a desk. All right, you read your Bible and you get free once you get th this enduring done. No, I can't wait. I love God's word. And the more that you trust God's word, the more that you love it, the more that you delight in it. This is wonderful. Someone who has a hard time reading God's word shows that there's something wrong. There is something wrong. If you can't manage to read more than one chapter of the Bible, there is something spiritually wrong. That's a declarative statement, but it's a true statement. If you're not delighting in God's word, there's something wrong. Let me tell you, when you love God's word, when you've learned that this is a guidance, it will help you. Maybe I could give another example. The Bible talks about that the Bible is our schoolmaster. And our schoolmaster, our principal, our teachers are not the bad guy. No matter what your kid said or what you said when you're a little kid, your teacher does not hate you. The Bible doesn't hate you. But some people hate the word of God. It's kind of like in our society today. Why do so many people hate the police? You understand you have no reason to fear the police if you're not doing anything wrong. You have no reason to fear the Bible if you're not doing wrong. The Bible says that it's a mirror. You know why people don't like the Bible? Because it shows an accurate reflection of who they are. And they don't like the image. So rather than changing the image, they'd rather get rid of the mirror. They don't like the Bible because it points out who they truly are. But when you want to be truly right, you have no problems. If I have green in my teeth, I'd rather someone tell me than be on camera all day with it all over. I want someone to point out some things that need to change in my life. Well, when I delight in God's word, knowing it's there to help me, it's there to guide me, it's, it's not there to be mean against me. The most loving thing someone can do for someone else is to tell the truth. 
Well, God's word does that. It is a schoolmaster. Notice with me in verse 48. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. Now, God here is expressing that if we love God's word, we're going to reach up. We're going to reach out for them. What's this picturing? Well, God's word always puts a high standard. Always a high standard. And God's word is made to lift us up out of the miry clay. It's not meant to reach down to where we are. It's made to get us up from where we are and bring us better. To bring us different. To bring us higher. That God's word is not content to lay us stay in the muck and the mire of the world. To stay where he wants to bring us out to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God's word is faithful and just in that type of thing. It's to lift us up. That when you're following God's word, you will love it because it will change you into a different person. And you should be a different person than what you were. You should always be changing because God's word should be changing us. And if we're loving God's word, we're going to reach out for it more. We're going to stretch out for it more and allow it to pull us out from where we first started. There's so many reasons why to trust God's word. We trust God's word because it's our salvation. We trust God's word because it's our answers. We trust God's word because it's our hope. We trust God's word because it's our walk. We trust God's word because it's our delight. You know, when we go through here, I understand this does sound so foreign to people who are not in love with God's word. You know what? Try it. Allow God's word to change you and you'll fall in love with it too when you see that it is an effective book to change our lives. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.